In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed, saying the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the arena, we salute you. Guys, we honor you today for getting it done in the stress bubble of life. You are not in this alone. We are in this arena together. We're on that dirty floor. We're sweating together. We're bleeding together. We're flinging those swords. Just don't hit me when you fling your sword. Males retreat, but you've jumped into the fray, guys. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. We are so pumped. We get to call you out. We get to call you up, and we get to call you in. You know what I found out? Going, Getting called in is tougher than being called up or out. Because when you get called in, you're into places you would never usually go. Up, you usually get called into places you want to go. And out, you get called out of something stupid that you already know you're doing. But getting called in, man, that's... That's tough. Anyway, I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with my producer and the sick of eating out of multicolored square boxes, Dale Culver. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 21-day oh, fix, baby. Oh, man. You no advertisements, my- but you've been on a special diet, and you're eating out of colored boxes. Yeah, I actually How is that I don't going? eat out of those, but my wife measures stuff. But I will not tell your wife that yesterday what? we went to our caterer for our banquet who made us an oval-shaped plate of food, and I'm pretty sure I told you her went in it. hard without even a fork. Well, I had a fork. You did not. You Your finger fork. Uh, well. You I, were forking eating a lot of food, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, yeah, our caterers Dude, are going to be pretty I'm pretty legit. sure. I'm excited about our banquet. Yeah. I, I really am. am. I, I love our caterer. Uh, I think we've got all of our table sponsors. The only thing we need is we need some more uh, silent and live auction donations. So if we have anybody listening who has uh, stuff they'd like to donate or skills they'd like to donate, man, that would really, really be for cool. For next year, unless we, we sling we this podcast this early. We're going to sling this podcast early. High five. All right, let's do it. Dude, yeah. Seriously. I, there you I, go. You're really annoying to me right now. Thank you. You know why? Because I'm emotive. Did you look that word up? Yeah. Is it a word? It's arousing or able to arouse intense feeling. How, what? What? How do you like me now, yeah. fish? Did it, I tell you that was word? Three I syllables. I use that word, and I use that in perfect context you on did. our last podcast yeah. of Equipping That's my man word today. Emotive. No, you're a, you're a plagiarizer, dude. That was my idea. Dude, how many times have I plagiarized you in the past years? Uh, Ten. Almost every day of your life. All right. Life. Thank you very much. The art of originality, not revealing <laughs> oh, your no, sources. I, I reveal Oh, them. baby. I stole this from Jimmy. <laughs> hey, don't call me Jimmy. Uh, okay. Anyway, I got a name for my barbecue. I want to Someday I want to start a barbecue business As I'm, when I'm old. Emotive barbecue. Portuguese barbecue. Emodium? Is that what you said? Emotive Portuguese and sons. Portuguese and sons. Anyway. 
Yeah. <laughs> the emotive locomotive. <laughs> anyway, yeah, when that locomotive is coming at you, it elicits emotion. So, it does. Um, yeah. Anyway, what's your man word? So your man word is emotive? Yeah, dude. So do you want to explain it for those who didn't listen to last week's podcast? Last week's. Hmm. Or the uh, certain weeks. They haven't heard this yet. <laughs> Oh man! So talk to me so about this. So one word. of our equipment at ten, we we talk about this, and you threw that word "emotive" out there, and I went looked at you crazy, like, "Are you kidding me? Is that even a word? Is he that smart? Yeah, nobody and, can and be that he smart. is that smart. So wait till you hear this when it comes up. Uh, but yeah, um, I think that men have uh, they are emotive, and they are able to uh, have intense feelings. So like our guest here, Marty, do you have any daughters? I have one daughter. Yeah. Did when you found out you're having a daughter, did you have any like emotional feelings like come up like holy cow? Uh, yeah, fear. Yeah, fear. Yeah. Was... <laughs> did you ever get a tear or anything? <laughs> oh, absolutely. When there I... you go. Yeah. That's what I'm talking yeah. about right there. Absolutely. That's a man. Well, on, on our equipping men in ten, we talked about men are emotive. In other words, men cry. Mm-hmm. It's okay for a man to cry. There's there's an old school thought that it's not okay for a man to cry. And so my personal opinion is that if a man has no ability to cry. He is calloused. He is apathetic towards things he should have extreme emotion about. And he is non-emotive. And so I think a man crying is completely appropriate. I think it's completely appropriate. Uh, getting cho- It doesn't mean you're going to be, but I mean getting choked up. Right. You know, uh, you know, holding it back. I mean, that type of thing. I, I think that's totally appropriate. Not only appropriate, I think it's healthy for a real man. So I love that word. Boom. Mic and, drop. Uh, hey, I'm excited today. I've got a, a new friend of mine, Marty McLaughlin, uh, in the studio with us. Marty is six foot five and age 32. We will not talk about your weight <laughs> you didn't go. because your wife is pregnant, and that means you're pretty heavy compared to normal. Well, I'm thinking uh, 180. <laughs> yeah, oh, easily. no. He's 250. Yeah. Well, How much oh. do you weigh? Two, uh, no, 240. I'm sorry. 275. You're oh, not. You're lying. It looks Dude. good on you, though. Dude. Thanks. It looks Thanks. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got some red little containers with I, your I name on them. I liked you better, Dale. Two seventy-five. Wow. I'm, I, I didn't. I would. I was. What I guess. Two fifty. Yeah. Two fifty. Oh wow. Okay. Well, hey, you're pregnant. Your wife's pregnant. You call me pregnant. So no, but but. Uh, oh, I had a bad deal with that the other day. I asked the gal. I said, "Oh, my oh, wife geez. said you had your baby." She said, "I'm just chubby." I'm like, "Oh." oh I went home, honey. You told me that the girl was pregnant. Anyway. Love so it. anyway, so he's an insurance broker. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that for 10 years. Uh, lives in Yamhill, Oregon with his beautiful wife, Noelle. Yes. Who've been married 10 years, and she is pregnant. She is pregnant. And so I'm going to have fun with this. Okay, so right now they've got two child, three children, Cora, who's five, Jeb, who's three, and a baby. Their baby is due on October 31st. Is it a boy or a ghoul? <laughs> a ghoul. Boy or girl, do you know? Uh, we don't know. It's going to be surprised. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay, wow. So... So uh, when your wife, you'll have you and your wife can work together on that weight loss thing. I put on thirty pounds of weight the first time my wife was pregnant. This is. I hope she's not going to listen to this because she. <laughs> well, what you're she, throwing me supposed, under the bus here? <laughs> she's supposed to get. She's supposed to gain weight. She's pregnant. Yeah, there's a Did baby. Did you gain weight there. with a baby or no? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, every time. Yeah, every time. Yeah, and then yeah. you huh. lose it. Yeah, I hope you lose so. It. Yeah. I never did. I was always this way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna honor Dale, and I'm gonna move on. So, Thank you. Thank yeah. You, Jimmy. So yeah, that's the tough thing. You know, we we do uh, gain that weight with our wives some for some reason, and so it'll be good to work with her and and. Uh, well, she does all the grocery shopping, and oh, so, so she buys delicious food, and I have zero self control. So mm. it just yeah. My <laughs> wife would send me to Burger King and say, "Get me that chicken oh, sandwich." Yeah. Yeah. Two for four, two for whatever it was. And I'm, what am I going to do? I got to obey my wife. Shanna was really into Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. And pineapple. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. And so, uh, yeah. So I'm all, hey, Taco Bell. Pineapple's sure. good for you. I wish my wife would like send me to Burger King for the two Whoppers for $6. Oh, so, dude. Mm. I remember when those were 99 cents? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, There's about a three year run. I, yeah. When I lived at Burger King in, yeah. in my last job or previous. To my previous job, yeah, and so yeah, Crush so hey, Marty, what we're gonna do, man? We're gonna get you all fired up here, and uh, we're getting ready to move into our rapid fire round. Play for it. All right, you know, I, I look for the day that this doesn't get screwed up, so you can stop it, Rambo. <laughs> man, and then if you heard the shells hit the ground, yeah. they were shotgun shells. Did you hear that? <laughs> 
Shotgun <laughs> shells great. hit the ground. So what is that? Anyway, I don't know. So anyway, Mar- Marty, we're going to go in the rapid fire round. I'm going to okay. ask you questions, and then you just answer as fast as you can okay. uh, and explain your answer. And then I'm going to do something new with you because I know that you are a quick thinker. Uh-oh. So I- I'm going to do a round I've never done before. You're the first person to ever accuse me of that, by the way. Really? <laughs> really? Quick thinker. Maybe you were just an underachiever. Yeah, maybe that's what So anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're calling this the fill-in-the-blank round. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to ask you six questions, and you just need to fill in the blank. All okay. right? Here we go. You ready for the first one? Yes. Blank is my spirit animal because. <laughs> you, saw the fa- you saw the Facebook post. No, I didn't. Did you didn't. You got- no. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we just did one of these, but uh, Shrek clearly is yeah. my spirit animal. That's not an animal. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it totally troll. is. Tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go yeah. with Shrek. Shrek? Yeah. Shrek, yes. Donkey. Yeah, so actually, um, obviously I'm large, but... Uh, You're husky. Halloween. <laughs> it suits me well. Um, Halloween, my wife and I one year dressed up as Shrek and Donkey, and the costume oh. was just on point. So since then, it's been it's been Shrek. We should take that picture and put it up when we... Do you have a picture of that? Absolutely. It's we on upload Facebook. the podcast. Oh, Let's put that on there. Yeah. I'll go trolling. Shrek and okay, donkey. Yeah. But does your wife look good in that? We don't want to put Always. her on there if she looks bad. Always. Okay, okay, okay. And she's a nurse good practitioner? Answer. Yes. Is that what she's doing? Yeah. yeah. So she's basically a, I mean, she's a doc. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Much. Yeah. So, um, okay, here we go. Number two. All I need is blank to make my life complete. Wow, that's a really tough one. That's why we put you on it, baby. <laughs> um, there's a lot of answers that I would have used prior to the last three years, but I'm going to go with family. Go with family? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to ask you about those last three years okay. in a second here. So yeah. I'm curious <laughs> okay. about that. Uh, number three, I believe so strongly about blank, I would gladly die on that hill if need be. Um, I've had this discussion many times. That is my right to bear arms. Really? Yes. All right. It is a hill to die on for me and probably not supposed to go there in most places. But Hey, those kill people. Yeah, yeah. If I put yeah. a brick, don't look I, at me like that. <laughs> if I put a brick in your hand, is the brick evil? The yeah. brick is amoral. A gun is amoral. It's very true. It does nothing. It sits there like a dumb piece of metal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the human. So anyway, right to bear arms. We were going through our group, our great hunt group. That was one of the things that I kind of realized. Oh, that is that is a hill to die on for me for sure. Really? Yeah. I'm learning. I would die on the hill of standing for the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Freaking cowards. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to go there, though. No, we're not going to no. go there because I'm just wanting to go off. And it's not political. For me, some of these things aren't political. They're like patriotic. I mean, the one thing that pulls our country together, we are this melting pot of of ethnic backgrounds, of demographics. And the one thing that pulls us together is the flag. You know, even religions, all these things, mm-hmm. the, the politics, all these different backgrounds. But the flag pulls us together. And to have a bunch of immature millionaires that think they have a freaking clue trying to do something radical when 84% of the blacks who get killed in this world are by blacks, I don't understand it. It's just really frustrating to me. And so it's not political to me. It's a patriotic thing that that they have crossed into territory that shouldn't be crossed into. And it just really frustrates me, and I probably shouldn't speak out. No, but I that's... just get pretty frustrated. It's a hill I'm going to die on, probably. Well, and I think it's important to know that about yourself. But I, I guess I look at it as I think that the people who are doing it, I'm sure they have a cause. Yeah, um, yeah. And they talk about unity, but I think one important part of unity that people forget is it does not everybody agrees with you, and unity requires respect. And yeah. so I think that when those people are taking that knee, they don't realize who and how many people they're hurting. And they don't care, I think, in a lot of aspects. that it, they're, Those actions actually hurt people. So. Well, celebrities have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. If you're a professional athlete, if you're an actor, actress, mm-hmm. you're a celebrity, have to be very careful to do things that actually unify. Wearing pink is something that unifies people together. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, when we choose a topic that we want to create unity, and if we go overboard and violate that thing, mm-hmm. we create disharmony and we create division. And this whole flag thing, unless you are a Jehovah Witness, they don't salute the flag or anything, unless you have a religious background that way, but this is something that divides people. And they have crossed the line. And they're going to pay the price. They're already financially paying the price. And now it becomes a money issue. And they'll, I'm sure, will recant or slow it down when they realize that their fan base is dropping. Because right. at the end of the day, professional football is about economics. Absolutely. So uh, I, I apologize for that rant. Anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. You just got me fired up. Anyway, um, here we go. Number four, blank is the one thing that most defines my life. Wow. 
Um, one thing that most defines my life would be um, failure. And say, I, wow. yeah, I saw that look on your face. That's a great answer. <laughs> um, but I think I, I'm a huge fan of failure. That sounds weird. But I think it really it defines who you are. Uh, you can't have success without failure. Uh, you have to try things and try to succeed. And as you fail, you learn and you learn who you are. And as you learn who you are, you gain confidence. And that confidence leads to success. So, so I think that men, when they hear that statement, their initial stance would be to tense up and push back. Because men have a, and I think more so than women even, have a tremendous fear of failure. Absolutely. So why do you think men fear failure? Um, we fear the truth. We fear the growth that comes out of it. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's a societal type of deal. Uh, you uh-huh. know, failure has such a negative connotation. If we took it from birth and said, instead of calling it failure, we call it learning. Well, that changes the connotation to it. And that's, I mean, really, you have to look at failure as learning. Nobody mm-hmm. likes to fail. I don't think it feels good to fail, yeah. but it's what you do with it. And I feel like that's part of what makes you a male or a man, not a male. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of what makes you a man. That is so good. Do you think the root of fear of failure is embarrassment or shame? I mean, what's the root of it? Is it is it a is it a personal thing or is it a public thing? I think that it's it's actually I think it's both. I think that you know early on through school we learn that shame through failure, um, and then as we get older. Um, we start to fear that shame. Um, but I think there's a lot of people who internally, probably who internalize things more than I do, smarter people, uh, that that's, that's an internal fear that comes with it. Uh, so I think it's both, but I really think a lot of that shame um, it comes from an early age. And, and we hear that failure is a negative thing so often from an early age. And it's something that I think as a parent, I want to help my kids understand that failure isn't a, a negative if if you make it a positive by learning from it. So when we have our parents tell us don't as a child, that has a negative effect in our life. Don't touch that hot oven. Don't touch your, <laughs> don't put your tongue in the electrical outlet. I mean, is, well, do you think it starts there with a parent's inherent desire to keep their kids safe? Well, I, I, I guess to some extent you could say that, but I think that uh, it's, it's, that desire to keep the kids safe later on in life is what really deters us. You know, we don't get to experience that failure early on sometimes. And then as we get older, it becomes a fear because we haven't experienced it as much as we probably should. Um, but I think anybody who goes out, who plays athletics, who, who tries something new and challenges themselves, and I hope the parents are encouraging them to do, them to do that, that you're going to experience failure. It's just, it's inevitable. And as you experience it, you realize, well, it's really not that big of a deal as long as I make something out of it. So how do you think the participation trophy has negatively affected us that way? Oh, you're going to, you're killing me with that. Well, no, you just, no, you're saying if a participation trophy says nobody wins, nobody loses, we're just going to neuter this thing. And, and we're going to protect little Johnny from pain or little Susie from trauma Mm -hmm. of being a loser. Mm -hmm. But, it sucks the drive out of people. It really does. I, Interesting. It, I think it sucks the drive out of people to be better when you put everybody on an even playing field and you say you're all the same. Well, that's just not true. We're not all the same. God gave us all different gifts, uh, uh, different blessings, different hardships, and that's what makes us unique. So if, if mm. we just give everybody a trophy and say, thanks for trying, good job, then, then what, have you, what do you accomplish at the end? You don't get failure, which drives success. You don't get the feeling of success, which will drive more success. There's, there's, to me, there's no negative in a, in a competition. Winning or losing, you're going to get something out of it, if you choose to, that's going to drive you further. Well, and you know, that's why I, I love the sport of football, because mm-hmm. you can be a big guy and play. You can be a little teeny guy who's fast and play. You can be a tall, skinny guy and play. There's so many different things. And, and for me, I maybe... Tell me what you think. Am I a racist? I think that there are black guys and there are Asian guys and there are white dudes and there are Native American dudes. And I think it's fun to acknowledge that. Absolutely. That's, there's, a, there's beauty in God's creation. There's beauty in variety. I mean, for me to ignore and go, I'm colorblind. You know, for me, I want, I want to acknowledge the beauty of a female. I want to acknowledge a, a man and, and how he may look differently than me and, I, and how people have different abilities and gifts. Right. I'm all about embracing those things, not tolerating, but embracing those things and saying, hey, we are different. And how is a young boy or girl going to learn that I'm not athletic unless they realize that and go, right. but maybe I'm really artistic right. or maybe I'm a math genius. 
but our parent I think sometimes we make a mistake as parents coddling them that they can be let me be honest with you bro I don't care what you do mm-hmm. I don't care how hard you try you my friend will never ever be an astronaut yes that's true because you're six five two seventy also not nearly smart enough well I mean but really it, but just by virtue of your size yeah, absolutely I'm never yeah. going to be an Air Force pilot right and so we should be okay with that, man. Well, so, and if we if we don't celebrate our differences, uh, once again, I don't think we can accomplish great things. Everybody was made differently, so yes, we can come together yes. and accomplish great things. If you and I, if everybody's great at the same thing, well, then we're stuck in that avenue in that path. Now, I do have a I do have an issue with saying to somebody, "I'm not giving you this honest shot because you're a female, or because you're a white well, guy, or yeah. because you're a black dude, or because you're a native dude." I think that when we prohibit people from having their unique gifts put on display, now that is racism. Now that is discrimination. Now that is misogyny or mm-hmm. misandromy, uh, the women man haters. You know, uh, we need to put people on display and let them showcase themselves. And for me, I've always been the guy. I want the best people on my team. I want the best people in my court. I don't care if they're black, yellow, red, white, Asian, Martian. I don't care. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we just have a problem when we don't allow people. But we also have to tell them, you know what? You suck. <laughs> well, it's good to hear. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, I played small-time college basketball. Um, I'm not the most athletic guy. And if I didn't get out there and, and learn that and fail because I am not the most athletic person, I wouldn't realize just how hard I had to work in other areas to achieve my goal. I love playing basketball, so that's what I wanted to do, and I was going to make it happen one way or another. I just had to figure out a different way than the guy next to me who can jump out of the gym mm-hmm. uh, to do it. And so if I didn't figure that out, I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't have had that success if I didn't have the failure in the beginning and realizing, hey, I'm not dunking in you know ninth grade like everybody else is. So. Is it racist to say that you have white man's disease? <laughs> Not an anti-white guy? Not if it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that when uh, Jim was mentoring me back in the day was he would allow me to do certain things, and he would watch me just falling flat on my face. Mm-hmm. And then it would be a week later, we'd have our meeting, and he'd go, so what would you think about that? And I'm like, well, it went all right. And he's like, do you really think so? No, I that, think it was horrible. That was terrible. <laughs> you suck. And I'd go, what? And then and we would work through that. But I knew he still had – he wanted me to win. And, and one of the things – I just went to a conference a couple of weeks ago, and the guy who has planted six churches, campuses in his area in, in uh, Washington, one of the things he tells his young leaders is, you have permission to fail. I'm still yeah, going to be yeah. for you. I'm still going to cheer you on. I'm still going to love you. You have permission to fail. And so I think it's important as Absolutely. men and as leaders, we need to let people know that who are under us, that we're mentoring or whatever, that you can fail. Absolutely. It's as a parent, though, it's tough. It is tough to watch somebody who you created, who's carrying your DNA, your name. I mean, one of my sons carries my first and last name. Mm-hmm. You know, to watch these kids and to go, I will not let you fail. I can, I can financially help you from failure. I, as a child grown up, I can help you with leadership. I mean, some of these parents are putting together their kids' science projects because mm-hmm. they're so. <laughs> So worried of failure and its damaging effects on a young boy or girl. But I, I what do you? At what point, you, Marty? You've got young children. At what point do you step back and go, "Hey, I'm going to let them bleed a little bit. I'm going to let them sh- get shocked when they put their tongue in the electrical socket." At what point <laughs> does a parent say, There's "Somewhere gonna- before that"? <laughs> point, <laughs> you know, at what point as a parent do we say it's okay? To let them fail. Well, and I think you, I mean, as a parent, everybody, you never want to tell anybody else how to parent their kid because it's incredibly difficult and every kid's yes. unique. But I, I look at my own son and I, he, if I tell him something, it doesn't mean anything. He just, he has to experience it. That's the way he is. My daughter, I can tell her things and she'll listen and process and, and think it through. My son's just not going to do that. So, um, it's, you know, sometimes I'm watching him doing something and I'll say, hey, that's not a good idea. And he's going to do it anyway. And I know he's going to be fine. He might mm-hmm. get a little bump or a bruise, but I'm going to let him do it because he needs to experience that yeah, yeah. To, to, for him to get it. And I think males in general are more like that. We just have to experience it. So yeah. as a parent, I think, you know, you try to guide him down a path, a straight and narrow path. But as long as, you know, death isn't the, on the other side, a lot of times that failure is so important for them to learn because we don't learn by ourselves or by... Uh, somebody telling us very easily. No, I love that. You know, in my bathroom book for men, our field guide, which we give away to our financial champions, that book, there's a there's a there's an entry in there called the rebound effect. Mm-hmm. And it talks about 
being able to bounce back after failure. And, and what you're saying, I mean, I just heard a statistic the other day that Michael Jordan missed 48% of his shots. Mm-hmm. And he's arguably, arguably the greatest basketball player ever. He's definitely in the top 10, probably Absolutely. the top five. So 40, you know, and a, a hitter, if you can hit, th- if you can get a base hit one out of three times, you're, you're in Hooperstown, baby. Cooperstown, oh, yeah. you're an all, you're a hall of famer. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I think we downplay how positive it is to fail. Absolutely. Well, and you translate that to life because not everybody's an athlete, but yeah. in life, if you just look at that one out of every three th- times you try something, you're successful. That's, that's a pretty good number. I think in life, it's probably a lot lower, to be honest. One out yeah. of every 10 times you try something, yeah. it's successful. Uh, so I think it's incredibly important for people at a young age to do that before it, the consequences are huge. And if you get to do it, experience failure to, at a young age and learn through it, then by the time that you're getting into that young adult age, you're not making those mistakes where the stakes can be a lot higher. Yeah, that is so good. I remember James, when he was in seventh grade, he decided to play baseball. Now realize, little boys start baseball like in third grade, but he started in seventh grade. And he was playing with eighth graders. And so he struck out or walked every single time he got up to bat. So we bought a a hitting net, a tee. I went and got an old tire, tire tees. In the, and so I have this because I used to coach baseball. And so working on him, working on him, working on him, working on him. And then one game, he hit a foul ball right before he struck out. Man, mm. party time. We celebrated that. <laughs> you cannot believe. His last game of the year, he he got two base hits and was key in them winning uh, their last game. Nice. And, and it was the, how improved he was. He was given the most. They told him he was the most improved on the team. But the thing about it was he was able to overcome failure, 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 failure. And I thought, man, there's a kid. There's a kid who can go places. Absolutely. You know, and I think when people experience failure, so as parents, should we, a loaded question here, Marty, Dale, jump in. Should we set our kids up for failure so they can grow and learn about it? Do we set them up? Well, I don't know what you mean by set them up. I don't think you ever strategically put them in positions where they're going to fail. Well, I don't think you set them up for failure. In other words, saying, I know this is going to work out poorly. I know you're a loser. Right. (laughs) Well. But I think for me, um, you absolutely put them in positions where they're likely to fail. And that's just doing new things. Every time you do something new, it's very unlikely you're going to do something the first time and be good at it. And the more we can get our kids to try new things and have new experiences, uh, and the more that they go through that process, the less afraid they are to do that as they get older. And they're really going to truly find something that they're great at or that they love because they won't know their talents until they give a go at multiple uh, different types of things. We're tapping into something here that is so rich and so deep. It just transfers into every aspect of life. It's going to transfer into their their academic career, it's going to translate into their uh, their uh, relationships. It's going to translate into their marriage, uh, their their raising of children someday. It's, it just translates. And I'm going to call this word. You're, you're talking about failure. I'm going to call this risk. Being willing to take a risk, and accepting that failure is a part of that. Well, I'm sitting in a room with three guys that are essentially self-employed, mm-hmm. and. Um, there is definitely a risk that you took, Marty, and Jim took when he started this organization. When my wife said, "Yes, you should. We should start a, a buy a, a photography business in <laughs> yeah. McMinnville, where we don't yeah. even live, you know, and and go take the risk to do that thing." Mm-hmm. But can you imagine? I mean, all of us in here, could you imagine right now where your life would be if you hadn't taken that risk? Right. Yeah. Could you yeah. you want to no, go punch I, a clock? Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Absolutely. Uh, and, not. Well, and, yeah. and that might be okay for some, but. You got to take a risk. Absolutely, I th- you know I love that Dale. That is so good because I think that when we risk it all, we experience something that a lot of people do not. We experience life. Somebody once said, instead of praying every night before we go to bed, if I die before I wake, we should pray if I wake before I die. We're going to have John Eldridge on this podcast. I just have a feeling. <laughs> I, I reached out to him. He's moving his office. I just want to get this guy on our podcast. He wrote a book called Wild at Heart, but he wrote another book that was so moving to me called Waking the Dead. And I think sometimes as men, we get locked into this career path where we're, we can't, there's not a lot of risk. It's pretty much mandated for us. Most guys aren't entrepreneurs. Right. Most guys have jobs and they work for somebody and, and it can be really hard for those guys to get out there and to take tremendous risks. You're an, you have employees. I yes. have employees. Dale, you've had them when you're a photographer business. What, what, what do we do as employers to help 
our people and give them permission to fail because failure in your business means dollars gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so how do we do that as a as a, an employer? I think honestly, it's just challenging them to do once again new things, take on more tasks, and you have to understand that yes, failure is, failure is dollar dollars gone in the short term, but if you're playing a long term game, then it's just yes, like your kids, right? right? That failure in the short term hurts, but in the long term game, it's it, it means success. We've got to think long term. Mm-hmm. We've got to, we live in a society that says get rich quick, take the mm-hmm. shortcut. But really, the the longest distance between two points is a shortcut. Absolutely. The longest distance between two points in relationships in our career. That's so good. This is so good. This is we're still in our rapid fire round. Well, <laughs> and and your kids are watching you. Do you want your kids to grow up to do a something mundane through their whole life that they hate right. or do you want them to take a risk and do something that they love and brings them you know brings passion out of them absolutely well did you see that uh post nathan um another agent at our office he posted a video about mondays and how people are just tired and, and grumpy on mondays and and kind of asking why you know why don't you come in with that let's go get it spirit mm-hmm. and i think it's because a lot of people are afraid to take that risk so they're not doing something they're happy doing they're not doing something that challenges right. them or that that motivates them and so you know taking that that fear of failure prevents them from taking the risk and i mean he hit it he hit the nail on the head with that video about you're not doing it yeah because you're afraid. So. You know, I'm on this personal journey <clears throat> where I've had this really monumental experience in my life about two weeks ago. And uh, and I, I came to realize that my pride has really hurt me. Pride has Pride does not help us. Pride does not have anything to bring to the table. Because for me, my pride says I need to have this image. I have to look this way. And so my pride, I'll be honest with you, has, has hindered me, and I didn't realize this till recently, from walking across the room hmm. uh, and, and talking to that person or, or stepping out in faith and, and reaching out to this person over here or saying something that I could get in trouble for, or actually I'm okay with that, <laughs> oh, or, or starting something that, that could fail miserably. And a lot of it for me personally so as a man was like, well, what will these other guys think when I, when I am humbled, when I'm humiliated, when I am embarrassed, when I am uh, put to shame? And I think that's a huge, at least for me, it's been a huge issue in my life as I think about this. And so I've been able to rest on, and I'm, I know I'm personalizing this a little bit, but I think we as men, we can rest on our own abilities, our abilities to, to make money, our abilities to uh, maybe athletically, or maybe we're just, just smart. We're smart, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is. And we, we don't take that risk because if we do fail, people might think less of us. And it ultimately comes back to faith, right? I mean... That's yeah. something I struggle with big time is I, you know, as males, we think we've got it all under control. I can handle this. I can do yeah. it. And I go about my day and that failure is what helps you realize, oh, maybe I'm not so great at this. I better get better. And yeah. we forget to give it to God. I do that all the time. I forget to give it to God. And then I go about my way and then ultimately it's going to end in failure if you don't give it to God. I mean, really. Yeah. It's, yeah. And so that is something that I struggle with because as a male, I think, hey, I got I went through the great hunt. My marriage is going good. I'm, you know, I'm off on my merry way. I forget to give it to God. And the next thing you know, my wife's saying, what happened to you? You know, <laughs> where was the guy that we were, you know, working with two or three months ago that was in, in this because I'm not talking to God. I'm not giving him uh, and asking him for help and, and relying on him. So. Well, the, I, I love the quote, the problem with a self-made man. And we have those in America all the place. America applauds the self-made man. The problem with the self-made man is he worships his creator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the great hunt for God, it's all about helping guys hunt for God and pursue God. So, which is funny because the first time I ever heard your name was about a year and a half ago. And I received an email from a woman who I'd never heard of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she said, my best friend's husband has been radically changed for the better can I send you my husband and can you make him like Marty McLaughlin? <laughs> and I was like, who the heck is Marty McLaughlin? And what, who, cha-? you know, but you were involved in the great hunt for God. Yes. And so that, that helped you develop your faith. Absolutely. It helped me develop my faith. And I, I think it, before I got to the great hunt, it was about a year and a half that mm-hmm. I had come to the Lord and, and accepted in my heart. And then, uh, uh, came to the great hunt through a group through our church. Um, and then as I went through that, what I love about it is it challenges you and it points yeah. out your failures, your yeah. shortcomings, and it challenges you to be a, a better man. And if as a man, you have to accept those challenges, step up and say, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. Yeah. And uh, so that has really helped me develop. But once again, I come back to if you lose sight 
because I think I'm guilty of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you, you ebb and you flow. And I, if you lose sight of what you've learned and putting God first and putting, you know, your wife first, then it's easy to fall right back into being the same person you were before. So it's a constant battle. It's a constant struggle. Uh, to get better. Well, it's really easy for the self-made man to put himself first. It's called selfishness. Yes. <laughs> and I want to challenge guys to be others-ishness, to, to, be, to be focused on other. I made that word up myself. Say, that's that's next, a man law. Others, yeah. Others-ish. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, that's so good, man. I, I think that uh, we need to have something bigger than ourselves. You know, you know, I believe this, Marty. I, I believe that men are, I have this weird thing that my, when I see men, I see greatness. I believe men are wired for greatness in their own way, in their unique way, right? Again, we're not saying all of us are equal. All of us look the same. I'm saying we're all different, man. It's awesome. And every man, I believe, God has wired him for greatness in his own. Maybe he's a great family man or a great great guy, great employee, great friend. He's wired us that way. But, but men surrender this greatest version of themselves, I think, sometimes because of fear. Mm-hmm. It hinders them, and I don't. I don't see how you can become your best version unless you fail. I don't see how a knife can be razor sharp unless it's struck against the stone. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so I don't know how a man can be forged into this 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 higher quality individual without being beaten with a hammer. And Absolutely. you know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Oh man! So speaking of forging the fire, okay. I'm going to go back to another question here from our rapid fire round. We're just right. gonna <laughs> we're gonna go slow fire round. Okay. We're like this is like bolt <laughs> action, baby. So here we go. Uh, and I, so. If, if your house were on fire mm-hmm. and your whole family were safely outside, including your pets, excluding cats, and you had to run back into the fire to save one to take one save one thing, what would that one thing be that you'd come back with? Well, it comes back to my hill to die on. <laughs> oh, the guns. guns. <laughs> I can't lift my safe by myself, so Is, okay. that, that'd be difficult. Um, but so that, family albums, all that, you'd go for the guns. You, you, you know, think your wife would go for well, the guns? Hey, we're in the digital age, okay? So all the family oh, that's albums true. stuff, it's all on, you know, backed Assuming up in the cloud. Assuming your cell phone's in your pajama pockets. Right, hopefully. But it's all backed up in the cloud, right? So that in that's today's day and age, true. you got you That's true. I never that. thought about that. But now this tells you how smart I am, which is not very, because... The safe is fire, you know, it's a fireproof safe. So if I go, I'm just wasting my time <laughs> trying so to get So is there that anything else you'd there. go get? Um, let's see. If I had to run, no, there isn't. And the reason being is it's just a possession. If you've got your family out, the rest of it's just a possession. Okay, let's go back to failure. Mm-hmm. When a man has a fear of failure, how big of a part do possessions play in that? Fear of failure. Well, they fear. losing the stuff. Absolutely, it's a huge part. You're Gosh, feeling, isn't you're that feeling interesting. Void. Yeah, I just yeah. listened to uh, Dave Ramsey. We're doing a, a course in our church, and uh, and he just talks about how he lost it all. I mean, that stuff. We can get it back, mm-hmm. and then at, at the end of our life, we got to give it back again. Right. And it's really funny watching young people grow. They get the house, the bigger house, the bigger house, the bigger house. Then they have their kids, and they start downgrading. They end up in the same size house that they grew up in when they were brand new married. So it's like, why are we doing this? It's ludicrous stuff. Mm-hmm. We waste our life pursuing stuff that's going to go away. And and maybe this is part of the fear of failure. Maybe men are afraid of failure because their purpose lives and ends with it lives and dies with their career or something tangible. Absolutely. Well, society tells us that, right? You yeah. you're you're doing well if you have a nice car or a big house or or whatever that is. And so it um, society tells us from the day one that these things are important, and then you can get rid of them. And you're a lot happier. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's such a lie, man. Yeah. I think that I think that it's about discovering who we are as men and living that out the rest of our lives. Like what is the cause that God has given us? What is the what is the purpose? Why have we been crafted and formed? I think those are even bigger questions, right? Because really at the end of the day, if a man's failure rests on I mean, rests on his stuff and his financial portfolio man that's that's fleeting it's pretty sad actually it's kind of it's yeah. it's really tragic on a shakespearean level mm-hmm. i mean seriously i mean anyway wow so how do you how do you as a man how have you in the last couple of years you said you had a lot of changes for the positive how have you walked with your wife who's clearly a magnum woman she's a nurse practitioner uh, she's married to a uh, what I would say is an entrepreneur. Clearly, she's an amazing woman. How have you helped her uh, uh, walk through failure and uh, and to come out on the other side? And to, I'm not saying she's had failures, no. but how have you helped her be a risk taker? How have you helped her and led her into that? 
Well, I think I, I drug her into it with the business. I mean, honestly, that <laughs> yeah. that really it, that was a huge leap of faith. I think for both of us. But um, you know, she is a very my wife is a very solid person. So there's um, you know she's going to go to college and she's going to do well and she's going to get a career and she's going to do well. And I, I always told her from the minute that we got together was anything she puts her mind to, she will accomplish. Mm-hmm. She's just that kind of driven person. And so I think that risk and that failure and that. <laughs> comes from me kind of dragging her into, Hey, I want to try this business or, Hey, I want to buy this house and turn it into a rental or whatever mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. to take those risks in life. Or, you know, us discussing, even we have two beautiful children, healthy children. There's a risk in having a third. And what does that do to our marriage? What does that do to our life and our yeah. comfort level? And so those type of things, I think, um, obviously we walk through them together, but, uh, has, I've had a huge effect on her as far as kind of dragging her into that risk. Cause that's my nature is to kind of take that that kind of risk. Um, and she's somebody who's, I mean, she's so far ahead in planning, you know, I'll get an idea and I'll be like, Hey, this is a great idea. And she's, you know, listens to me and smiles and nods. And I realize, Oh, she, she had that planned out, you know, like three months ago. And so, um, she's just a, a very solid person and a very smart planner. And how has Noel helped you bring out the best version of you? Well, I think, I mean, there's a, a number of ways, but, um, she is so solid. So it allows me to be, you know, up and down through, you know, emotional stuff, through businesses, through um, just kind of figuring out who I am as a man. Uh, and, and but the most important thing was leading me to my faith. She's the reason she was the one who said, we need to get back to going to church. We need to do this. And I kind of was, you know, waffling on it. And um, she said, nope, this is the church we're going to. We're going to stick it out here. And I wanted to go try a different church. She said, no, we're going to do it. We're going to stay here for a while. And that helped me uh, really get into my faith and, and accept Jesus and, and just the transformation of the last three years has, has been phenomenal. It's because she was the one who made me stick to it. You know, it's so funny. <clears throat> There's this, uh, political correctness out there about women and submission and 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 certain groups just don't understand it or agree with it but if they could understand it it's life-changing i mean your wife uh i cannot tell you how many stories i've heard from guys that their their faith has been found through their wife mm-hmm. over and over and a strong woman and a dynamic woman who said i am going to trust that he's going to get there I see the greatness in him, and I am going to call it out. Is there, if your wife, Noel, was here, would she say there's one area right now where she's patiently waiting for you to go to the next level of greatness? If if she were to give you an upgrade, what would it be, man? We just have to pick one. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm only going to, I'm going to limit you because we only have limited time on the okay. podcast. Yeah, so I think it would be, um, uh, I think it'd be time management and, and just saying, you know, I'm all over the place with my business. That's just the way my brain works and, and family and we're busy two person working household. Um, but I don't do a great job of managing my time and trying to, you know, say this is family time and family time only. And this is, you know, business time and business time only. And she's patiently waiting for me to figure out the right balance there. And it ebbs and flows once again. But that, I think that's the biggest area where she's saying, come on, figure it out. So you're, in other words, you're having a failure with your phone. Uh, yes, absolutely. There's no question about that. Because it's the phone. You can stay away oh, from yeah. the computer. Oh, yeah. It's that freaking phone. Yep. You yeah. do a phone call, a text message, an email, and it all comes through there. And it is. I mean, the, the, and we've actually had specific conversations about the phone, you know, putting it away. Give your time here to your family now. And, and uh, it's really difficult for me to do that. But at the same time, realizing that if I don't, I'm not being a man. I'm not doing what I need to do. Well, and you're falling back into the selfish mode yes. where she's not first. And I've, I've actually been putting my phone like we had a guy cancel our last podcast mm-hmm. And I had my phone in my car, and I found that I can't work with my phone around me because it's just it's too disruptive. I have I have updates coming in, I have alerts coming in, I have texts coming in, I have calls, I have emails, and uh, it's just a very big distraction at times. And so, and when I get home, it's it's hey, this has to go away uh, because I need to. Now I think for men we we can do a good job because we tend to be compartmentalized, mm-hmm. but. That phone has become a problem. Absolutely, there's no question, and and not just for you, bro. No, it's it's yeah, but it is it's a real problem and it's a real issue for men. And you're not dedicating the time you need to to your family when you have that phone, and yet it's so hard to let go because all of us have a business that we have to tend to, and so you think you're doing the right thing by continuing that and growing that for your family, but really all you're doing is hurting them. Well, and I just think of the phone. It's like a, a tool for it's a tool for sin too. It's a it's I've got everything I want right here. I mean, we actually as a Great Hunt for God organization are a covenant eyes affiliate 
because uh, we realize that pornography is a huge issue and it comes out on the phone and how, you know, that's the tool, the source mm -hmm. and usually. And so how do we help that guys overcome this? Uh, and like you said, budgeting your time. So, okay. So Noel would want you to, so that, I mean, that's a good homework assignment for you. Absolutely. And you, we can keep each other accountable, not the pornography part, but the, <laughs> the phone part. And so, uh, uh, but that's really good, man. It's really cool. I, I you know, I'll say this as a fun side note. Your wife impressed me last year at our banquet and here's why. This is why I, I this is how I knew you're married to a really magnum woman. So the trip that we auctioned off, we auctioned off a trip for men. Mm -hmm. It was a mancation. It was called that. It was very clear what it was. <laughs> Your wife said, I don't care. I'm going to bid it up anyway. Yeah. And she bid it up to the point where the guy that bought it was actually the guy that donated it because <laughs> he, he because it was kind of like, what is going on here? This is not supposed to, you know. But she was like, I want this. I'm going to get it. And I went, wow, this is impressive. Breaking the rules and going to yeah. make it happen, you know. So pretty stinking impressive. So, hey, I've got one last rapid fire round in our very slow rapid fire. And we're going to call our quits here. But this one here, I just wanted to ask you. So if I had blank, I'd be the happiest person in the world. Wow. Yeah. These are really good questions. I know. Yeah. We've never done this be before. Shallow. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to he's be like, shallow. He's like, if I, I just had an AR-10 with a silencer. Um. A <laughs> oh, man. I tell you right now, yes, yeah. I would. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to beat Burger King. Six bucks, you get two Whoppers anyway. Uh, I think if I have... Actually, you know what? If I have self-confidence, I'm the happiest guy in the world. Ooh, mm, that's, yeah, that's good. good. And deep. Self. So where does your self-confidence, let's just say confidence because self is redundant. Right, yeah. So so where does your confidence come from then when you say confidence? It, it comes from failure, right? It comes from learning from all your failures. We've come full circle. Know, dude. This podcast interview is so awesome. <laughs> we don't come in here with a script. We're winging it right, here. This right. is like a bunch of guys just shooting the crap and sitting around a, a bonfire, you know, smoking cigars, doing this thing. Wow, that's what we should do next podcast. So <laughs> you're, yeah, dude, you're totally invited. <laughs> well, my buddy of mine just sent me a, a Tom Cheshire we've had on the podcast. Sent me a picture yesterday. He's smoking a cigar in a great unforgot oh, T-shirt, nice. and he's like, "Oh, now I know why the guy asked me for my business card." <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Tom. Hey, anyway, um, so you, I, I didn't think you're going to answer that. In fact, I wasn't even thinking that. Were you answering that just to come full circle, or do you really mean that? No, I absolutely believe it, because that self-confidence, and that's something I've learned over the years, is as you gain that self-confidence, you are happy, because you don't worry about what so someone thinks about you. You don't worry about, it's between you and God, and as, as your relationship with God grows, your self-confidence grows, and then it doesn't matter what you know so-and-so says, or it doesn't matter if you fail at this, because you know who you are and what you do. Yeah, that's why I pulled the word self out. Because I don't yeah. think the confidence yeah. comes from self. I yeah. think you are going, okay, God, I, I'm I'm good with who I am. I'm not going to cry about being a tall, white, non-jumping male. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not going to take a knee because I feel persecuted. I'm going to embrace who I am, and I'm going to step forward, and I'm going to fail often. Yes. But at the end of the day, you are my creator, and I trust in that, and I have confidence in that. Man, that is just that is so rich. If our guys could just get that. To just be, to, to just when failure happens, go, dang it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've got one less solution. Now I've got to go back to drawing board and figure out what it is, right? right. Yes. Thomas Edison, right? What, 2,000 failures on the light bulb? Yeah. He goes, well, I didn't find 2,000 mistakes. I just found out 2,000 ways it doesn't work. Right. And then he eventually figured it out, you right. know, and the world has never been the same. And so, man, that's so good. Anything you want to add, Dale? Well, I was just thinking about, uh, when we would do like missions trips or take kids to camp or something like that, it seems like there was always something that came against what we were doing and, and it would fail. And so you'd have to go to plan B, you know, it might be your bus breaks down or your car breaks down or the van or whatever yeah. or kids like having a diabetic episode. Those things never happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's thing after thing that happens and you just like, huh, we're going to, at the end of the day, we're going to get there. And at the end of the day, we're going to be home. And at the end of the day, what's supposed to happen is going to happen. It's going to be great. So, Well, you forgot one key thing. And the worse the trip was going down, we'd look at each other and go, this is going to be a great yeah. event. Oh, exactly. And right, the same thing with life, right? The more obstacles, the more I, – I've reached out. We're trying to get some very well-known names on our podcast, mm -hmm. and I'm getting rejection, 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 rejection. I had one rejection, uh, and, and the thing said, well, Mike is busy doing all these things, so he's not available at this time, and I'm like, I'm going to mess with him. <laughs> well, does that mean I can get him on for next year? 
I mean, let's book them out two years in advance. I don't care, right. you know. Uh, but but I'm laughing at this thing now. Going, hey, eventually I'm going to get that guy, or eventually they're going to come on this show, and because we have the we have the. I, I think we have one of the best things going for men Absolutely. as far as our podcast goes. It's raw. It's uncut. It's real. We interview real men doing real life in real time. And that's all this is right here. This is Jane, uh, Jim and, and I was going to say Darby. That's my <laughs> Jim and Dale and Marty. And we're just sitting here shooting the breeze See and the resemblance, uh, figuring it out. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Anyway, and so, man, hey, Marty, I appreciate you coming Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Let's try to handshake without popping any uh, mics here and uh, taking time for share, uh, to share with us about, uh, man, failure. That's really good, man. That is so good. So, hey, guys, you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Uh, we uh, are all about uh, transforming lives uh, of men and those they love. And for you to help us do that, it's as easy as one, two, three, one. Listen to the podcast. Two, share it with your friends. And three, write a positive review. We give us input about the topics you'd like to hear about and the men that you'd like us to interview. We want to help you become the best version of you. If you have any questions or comments, you can uh, reach us by downloading our Great Hunt for God app and go to the Contact Us icon and you will get a hold of myself or Dale, real human beings. Gosh. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Oh, next week's episode is going to be awesome. I'm super, super excited about who we have coming on i'm not even gonna tell you who it is yet because i don't know get in the arena get dirty grind it out at the end of the day you're gonna fail get up and be a man this is dale culver and you've been listening to the man card podcast has your man card been challenged today if you hunger to be the best version of you then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed facebook forum called the men in the arena this is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with the men in the arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of our popular field guide, a bathroom book for men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right. 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your own copy at mancardpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.